2: On the bridge, you will probably find this inspection boring for the likes of you. Two. Boring, well, we won't be blowing things up, <laughs> taking or engaging in fire,
3: <laughs> crash landing, expectedly or unexpectedly.
1: Those were the days. There is something coming, battle
2: stations, some kind of attack. And Starfleet could be the target. There's a darkness. An all-consuming darkness. And it is getting stronger.
3: John luc trust no one. Jean-Luc Picard. We will have vengeance.
1: The far reaches of space. But something's different now. This is the end, my friend. Jordy! Such pathetic old warriors.
4: I too was once irrational, violent. Anybody you know, still the person you knew. This is life or death. It's always life or death, John Luke. Mm-hmm. When has it not been? With each ticking moment, I will take another piece of view.
1: Battle stations! John no, no. Luke! Survival. It's <laughs> human nature, pal. Fight or we die. Got oh. it. it. I need you. All of you. We're with you. Always. Engage. Well, are you enjoying this? Of course not, are you? Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen.
4: And on this episode of the all-video Planet 8 podcast, we will be discussing Not season one, not season two, because they stunk, but season three, (laughs) the winner series of Picard. And we are fortunate. That's right. (laughs) We have a winner. We finally, we Mm. are very fortunate to have our good friend Lord Bloodraw with us to help us not only celebrate the third season of, of Picard, but our fifth anniversary since we launched Planet 8 podcast. So Congratulations, guys. Thank
3: you. Thank you Lord, sir. Lord
2: and,
4: and thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm always happy to be here. Thank uh, you. I, did, did, I,
0: we, I, did we know going into this thing that we'd still be doing this five years later?
4: I don't think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we still got stuff to talk about and now we have video. This is incredible. Is. This technology called a camera. That has finally hit Planet 8. This must be the future.
3: It only it took five to years.
4: It- <laughs> That's right. People
0: be tuning in and expecting to see a static graphic there. and
4: That's right. And other
0: Next people will be turning, tuning into the audio version and wondering what the heck we're talking about.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> if
4: you are tuning into the audio version at some point when you finish the audio version, go over to the YouTube channel. You get to see all our antics. Um but anyway, let's dive into Picard season three. Uh, we are all to a degree Star Trek fans, uh, some more so the original series, some more so next gen, Deep Space Nine, etc., um, etc. et cetera. Et cetera. Uh, this, let me just start off by saying this season three of Picard, I was... I try to be very optimistic with with my viewing uh, you know expectations, but after season one and two, I was just, now I am a die hard data fan. Um, I, I think he had one of the best developmental stories of character in the next generation and and how they ended his story in Nemesis. It 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 pisses me off. Sorry, you're gonna have to beat me on that chief if we don't allow that kind of language on Planet Eight. Um the, the only good thing about that first season of Picard is data. The, the first episode and the last episode gave him what I thought was closure. And then they did that weird thing going in the past in the second season, and I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? Redemption in season three, and they made us wait for it like a fine caviar or wine. He wasn't in the first half of the series. Right. Right. But mm-hmm. I, I will say this, and, and, and you guys are going to dive in in a minute. Give me a Riker series. The way that Riker carried himself mm-hmm. in those first couple of episodes, waxing philosophical with Jean-Luc at the pub. Yeah. Or, or in the bunk beds talking about his, you know, when he was a cadet, and ah, just Dave's kiss, superb. Mm-hmm. Um I tell you what, let's kick it over to someone who wasn't that excited about. Just
3: kidding. <laughs> Keep, take it away. Could that be me?
0: <laughs> no, I, I love this. See this series. Well, the season anyway, not the whole series. Yeah. But, were you surprised
4: uh, how much you enjoyed
0: it? I, I, well, you know, it's funny because when I looked online and they showed – they had that one video where they showed the whole cast like one at a time and so that you knew that, okay, you know, although this whole cast, except for Wesley Crusher, we're all coming back for uh, uh, for this season. Thank God. And uh, I thought, well, but you know, that could next, be interesting. Yeah. It may be like Star Trek The Next Generation in slow motion.
3: We're all getting
0: older, but but no, I thought you know, I thought the writing was very interesting, and I thought you know when they we got kind of later in the season, and spoiler alerts, we had the um, all to be
3: spoilers all over the place.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super spoilery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just if you haven't seen it, turn us off now. But right. uh, And then come
5: back
3: later. Yeah, well, the, whole, the
0: whole thing with the transporter spreading the Borg virus and only infecting the crew members that were under 25. Okay, so then yeah. that suddenly explained why we need all the old folks there. Right. Because <laughs> right. the old folks had the immunity or whatever, and they were able to save the day. But... Um, Yeah, in the previous seasons, it's like, okay, why are these old people like trying to save the the universe and all that? But I definitely agree about Riker. I think he uh, he chewed up the scenery and just about every scene he was in. I think starting from episode one, season one, this thing should have been like a Picard Riker roadshow. Yeah, just the two of them playing off each other. Just you know, just have the two of them and then bring everybody in on the third season, but. Um, It was funny reading um, some comments by the producers and the crew, all saying that they felt like they had to make up for Star Trek uh, Nemesis. Yeah, yeah, they were all, uh, they were saying, well, you know, we wanted to do this and we wanted to do that. And we had to make up for Nemesis or we had to, you know, make up for something that happened in Nemesis. So they were well aware of how the next generation kind of went out in the movies Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. this was their chance to give them an actual final farewell worthy of the show. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. uh, yeah, And you know, I thought all the characters had their own interesting uh, development or plots. Um, I actually liked Jack Picard's son. Uh, Yeah. Interesting character. Supposedly, I guess he's going on in another series, but um, it's I guess that would be the next next generation, right? So, uh, yeah, <laughs> he was good. Even after. Uh, I really, you know, bringing Data back the last couple seasons seemed kind of forced. I think this season, though, where he had to go through the whole thing where he and Lore are kind of going back and forth, and then finally Data wins out, but he's got Lore's personality in him. And now suddenly he's got the, uh, he's suddenly got emotions and more character. And I thought that was a good development rather than just, okay, I'm Data and I'm back. Yeah. I defeated
2: Lore and I'm back. What do you want me to do? Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Or a really lazy way to have done it was have, the battle continue. Like, can we trust Data? We don't know if we can trust him because the uh, Laura's still in there, and well, you know, is he Well, they kind of did that for that one episode.
0: That one episode, well, which made time, sense, yeah. But by the time example. the episode was over, it was established that you know,
2: yeah, had, yeah, yeah, that they had completely melded into one. Ep- he right. became a real boy. <laughs> Data has yeah. become
3: a real boy, <laughs> yeah. and
2: that's with Data's personality still, which is very. The, the no. writing on season three is just spot on. Yeah. Each character was true to the character, yet true to the character 35 years on.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you could see the, this is where the characters would be. And I mean, just to go back for a minute, I saw season one. Eh, a few eye rolling moments. I thought it was all right. You know, season two. Season two of Picard, to me, is to Star Trek what the Star Wars holiday special is to Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how it got made. Uh,
4: I don't understand how they produced this thing. Blood raw. Let me ask you: How could you screw that up when you had a character like Q in that season? And and it just
5: because it was not about Picard. It was about Patrick Stewart's childhood.
3: Right,
2: that's it, that's right. exactly hit it. The nail on the head, Walker. Mm-hmm. That is exactly yeah. it, and uh, even to the point where in I was worried about Patrick Stewart after season two because he came off just as this doddering old man spouting mm-hmm. flowery superlatives, you know, right. wherever he went. In season three, he is Picard, mm-hmm. he's 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 in command. He's got yes, he's older, but. He's still that character. He's still was
4: oh, still Picard. gravitas to the Picard character. Yes. I thought, you know, yes. when he when he said engage.
3: It was like yes, oh, yes, That's sir. Picard is well, back. I, th- I
0: think I too with season three, with Picard anyway, season one and two they're kind of forcing him into action. Yeah, you know, here's, here's a you know eighty year old Run. guy running and whatever, you know, and it's oh. like season three, he was more in command he was a commander Mm -hmm. he was cerebrally 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 (laughs) um, solving problems and you know and figuring things out rather than trying to go and beat someone up or run after something or whatever you know it's like
5: well
3: and he seemed more
5: of that uh commanding officer like, he felt more in command, more authoritative as the series went on. Right. You know, the first couple of episodes, he still seemed a little doddering, and he was really taken aback by Shaw. And But then, especially once he learned, like, oh, I have a son, then he started telling people, do this, right. do that. And by the time he got in the, the, the center seat on the bridge of Enterprise-D... He was in command. He felt like he could make these decisions. And there was a change even in the timbre of his voice. Yes. You know, and I felt that was totally orchestrated. I felt like this had been something planned by the writers and with Patrick Stewart to kind of, you know, have him do this throughout that season. Because, yeah, as you said before, he the first two seasons, he just came across as like, yes, yeah, so, you know, Mr. Magoo or something. He was just you know, <laughs> totally wandering oh, around. Picard, kind of do you've done it him. again. Ah! Yeah, <laughs> so it, and it was very, I don't want to say disturbing, but it, it was certainly not um, very satisfying to see that character in that kind of position right. in those seasons.
2: And in this season, even Raffaella who was a character I oh, Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I thought she was a, just a terrible human being. The way mm-hmm. she, what she did to, um, oh, who was the Romulan ninja? I forgot the name. Oh, yeah. Nicholas.
3: Uh, yeah, okay,
2: <laughs> no, The <name> When <laughs> she treated him and just hurt and was so reckless in the mm-hmm. past. I mean how the time police didn't like pull them over and oh yeah you know yeah, yank, right. yank them out of the time stream, I don't understand because season two was ridiculous. But anyway. Uh her character in this was fantastic and her and Worf together agreed mm-hmm. were wonderful. And Worf, all of them, all the characters in this just and they knocked it out of the park. A lot of it was the writing, but also the acting. Each one of them these are actors who knew these characters inside and out, yes. agreed with what they were doing in the script, and just nailed it. Uh,
4: yeah. Absolutely, I, I think Worf, Michael Dorn, uh, helped me appreciate Raffaella yes. more so, it, it, almost like you know his, his Ray Shields, and they kind of covered her as well and her acting and just. You know, Rafaela, you have come far. How <laughs> right. so, why, why, why has she come so far, Mr. Worf? You know, it just pulled you in.
0: Because um, Worf pulled her along. I thought the yeah. other interesting thing, too, was they shot season two and season three just about simultaneously. Right. Well,
5: it was back-to-back, I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, no, they said they were shooting them both at the same time, well, up until, like, March or something. And then... um what was it, uh, season two wrapped, and then three continued.
3: Yeah. But for the first
0: part of it, first few months, they were both being shot simultaneously. Thank oh God.
2: It's night and day.
5: Yeah. Well, they had to use the a lot of the same sets. They had to amortize the costs over both seasons yeah. to be able... You think about how much all of those actors cost to bring onto the show, right? Yeah. Sure. It ain't cheap. And it, it really was almost like a not just a bottle episode, but a bottle season in that they didn't go out and shoot on location. And, you know, it was all on those sets. Right. Um, but it's amazing what they did. It didn't feel claustrophobic or anything. Oh, you no. know, you, it really felt like, oh, stuff is moving. Things are happening right. they're going places. Yeah. Um, just such a smart season, mm-hmm. you know, the way they planned everything out and how they brought everybody in. They didn't bring everybody in at one episode. They, you know, first there's they got Rikers coming in and oh, mm-hmm. Wolf's coming in and, you know, Jordy. Mm-hmm. So they just brought everybody in and it all felt very organic. It didn't mm-hmm. feel forced, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was the thing, the key to it, you know, and they worked with the actors to talk about like what kind of where do you see or what's a key thing you think, you know, Worf would be doing or Geordi would be doing. And so everybody was comfortable with the direction their characters went. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the writing was magnificent. And I mean, there were a few things that I was kind of like, so there was Borg material in Picard's sperm. Okay. Genetically,
3: yeah. That
2: doesn't make...
0: Well, it was throughout throughout his entire being, but...
2: But, you know... Was Locutus early on uh, an experiment by the (laughs) board? Were they seeing this day coming when he might pass this on genetically and create um, a a transmitter rather than a receiver? I mean... like Like Locutus was?
5: Yeah, there's some stuff. Or, like, I guess... The stuff, the material, the genetic material that was in the transporter, it didn't immediately turn them into borg. It had to be it had to turned on with the signal.
0: Yeah. Well, I think too, okay. I think they kind of gave up making people borg. It's like once they went through the transporter, they were being controlled and they had certain,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, features and things, but they didn't suddenly become cybernetic borg
2: creatures. Yeah. So it wasn't well, they were yeah. Biologically now, rather than technologically.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was almost like they were being assimilated mentally. Exactly. Rather, rather
2: than physically. Than yeah. physically.
5: Yeah. Although well, they still like, had the little lines and stuff on their faces. But yeah. the Queen
2: said the future of the Borg is not technology, it's evolution.
4: Well, I, I wonder if other Borg were able to get G with it, or was it just Loki? <laughs> <laughs> One would think that there was, you know, experiments. Well,
3: Seven
4: special, and one, for example, special
2: well, Locutus implants. Special. Locutus was Locutus was special. Locutus was meant to be um, a liaison between humans and the Borg, so he had some special genetic apparatus placed in him.
3: Not more than you. So and even said <laughs> after the stuff
2: was taken, the machine parts were taken yeah, out. Yeah. He could still hear the Borg.
3: He, well, wasn't like, the he wasn't seven like full of nine Borg, and... he
0: was like the first kind of hybrid.
4: Right.
3: Yeah, yeah but...
0: if
4: if you guys have watched Voyager, Seven of Nine yeah. leaving the collective, and, and the Queen then coveted Seven and wanted her back because of that individuality. There was something about that quality that the Queen believed the Borg needed. Now, we have to assume that the Queen already knew that Locutus had – whatever it was you know the mojo to help him create the receiver the transponder you know or Jack basically
3: yeah.
4: and so there's there's these layers I think that were not explored that if we get a seven of a nine and Jack series they might explore further or, or maybe not I you know well I
0: mean yeah, you I know, mean, were I mean, talking about the planning it's like they're rolling the dice on whether or not Picard would actually reproduce and then yeah once he did, then they had to wait what twenty some years right. for Jack to mature into. And
2: actually, yeah, I don't, I don't think that was their plan. It, their plan was just to destroy the Federation.
3: Yeah.
2: The, yeah, And then, then this happened. It wasn't the Queen said, because there was. It, I, I don't think I saw this episode of Voyager, by the way. Where No, actually, I did. Where Uh, um, Janeway essentially destroyed the Borg, and they were just left. Like vacant, she talked about the the emptiness until she heard the voice. Right. Until she heard Jack Crusher. Uh, just I guess inadvertently
4: sending out signal, then she okay. had to go after him. Okay. Because uh, at that point, that's when she started eating the Borg to sustain herself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah during that time yeah. period. Yeah. Um, let's not forget the changelings. That caught me by surprise. Yeah. And, and the evolution of the changelings. Now, I know I'm watching the series on Amazon 55 years uh, in the center seat or something like that. It's all the different versions of Star Trek gets into the, the different ships and, and the captains and stuff. But one of the things they were saying is that when Deep Space Nine first came out, the first couple of seasons were bottle shows because the changeling effects were so damn expensive. And they had an ensemble cast. It wasn't just like you know the big three that we we'd had in the original series. Right. Yeah, yeah. Whole crew. Um. So them to bring in the changelings in season three, and and be different than the changelings before. And I thought they handled it very smartly. And it was one or two sentences of Worf basically saying he spoke with Odo, and Odo told him. These aren't our changelings. These,
3: our changelings. <laughs> right. yeah. I was He's like, okay oh, I had nothing to do with that. But, uh, yeah, okay. we by Section free. Thirty-One.
4: So, well, so and and Bravo that we're going to have a Michelle Yao returning with a, with In a, a section. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes. it's exciting. Well,
2: <laughs> if Terry I felt McCallus the same way about it. If Terry Metallus does it, I
3: think it'll be great. I, I, well, I agree. Yeah, I, trust I just him
5: now. I the whole section 31 concept I think has been abused, but
3: that's, that's I I would gonna... agree with
4: that. I would agree with that point. I mean, some of the again, going back to Deep Space 9, some of the most intriguing Deep Space 9 episodes involves section 31. Yeah. I...
5: But I think I think the way they went at it on Discovery was misguided.
4: Agreed. But if they can oh. fix things in season three of Picard, they can fix. You have an Oscar Possibly. winning actress that has such gravitas, and anyway, we're talking about Picard, not Michelle. yet. that Yow, kind who, of what but, but you just mentioned. You. That's
2: kind of why I really love Picard season three too, is because they either just flat out. Ignored what happened in season two or dealt with it with a couple <laughs> of uh, thrust.
3: He's got a synthetic. Body. A yep. I thought you were
2: dead. Well, you think so literally linearly. Yes. Beautiful. Just ignore that. That didn't happen. That was a, yeah. that was a bad dream.
3: Well, at one yeah, point when that, they, they find
5: out like it's Borg uh the tech or whatever, yeah. Uh, Crusher says, um, well, nobody's heard from the Borg in ages. It's like, they were it. just in the last season. <laughs>
0: no,
4: that yeah. was future Borg, not current Borg. Come on.
3: Yeah. See, because the other yeah, thing, God.
0: which is interesting, I don't know how much connection Picard has to Discovery, but the Klingons in Discovery did not look like Worf, or vice versa. <laughs> so no. Suddenly that's they reverted awful. back right. to... Wow. Well,
5: well, and if you see the uh, trailers for the second season of Strange New Worlds, those Klingons look like a yeah a version of the classic era movies, Klingons.
2: Right. So let's see how they explain this. <laughs> <laughs> they, no, I, I was just watching... We do
5: not talk of it.
2: That is such a convoluted
3: yeah. and I was Klingon. watching yeah.
0: um, Day of the Dove the other night on MeTV. Yes. And... You know, Michael and Sarah as Kang. I mean, he was pretty cool oh, yeah. looking. He didn't have all the ridges, but you know, great
3: acting. I was, was fine great with those. Clean, all
5: but... the Klingons in that episode look really sweaty, though. It's a weird makeup job. <laughs> it's like they all—they're all real moist looking. They're
4: shiny so. Klingons.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: Well, you know, the little things like that, I I can let go go by. I mean. Look, let's talk about the fact that they have the remains of Admiral Kirk in that facility.
3: Yeah,
5: what are they going to do? What? Was that just a screw with us, or is there actually something? Gary
2: Metallus ran the show, said he was very dissatisfied with Kirk's death. So he threw that in as kind of a little Easter egg.
3: Yeah. Which, when you think about
2: it, they had to go to that planet to get the saucer section so right. they basically, you know, the prime directive. So right. while they were there, they picked up
4: Kirk's body too. What they're going to do with it now? You know, a lot of times I'll, I'll visit with Karen and she's like, what were you doing? I'm like, oh, I was driving home today and I was thinking, if I were to bring back Benjamin Sisko, how would I go about doing that? Or if I were to bring back James Kirk, how would I go about doing that? And the fact that he was in the Nexus and left the Nexus – is there some kind of energy around his cells? Or, I, you know, the imagination then starts to. Well,
3: or, or could
4: it be that there was from DNA? Or, or um, I, it, it's just, it, it boggles the mind. Yeah. It's
5: been a long time since I read The Return, which was the novel that Shatner wrote. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he. He had it all figured out how, you know, he could come back after uh, uh, generations. And uh, there was a whole, I think he had a series of like, I don't know, six novels or something. something. Like that, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. But, you know, the only thing now, of course, is Shatner could not play the role. But that doesn't stop them from doing things with like Harrison Ford in the next Indiana Jones movie and regressing him forty years or whatever
2: deep fakes, yeah. Shadner can do the voice. Mm-hmm. Well, they've got Christopher Pine or, the or whatever AI they can bring him in. What uh-huh.
0: they got Christopher Pine right? They can bring him in.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Possibly. I mean, supposedly there's mm-hmm. gonna there's still gonna be a movie Star Trek movie in that timeline at some point. Well, and then what there's is- the other Kirk that was in uh, Strange New Worlds.
5: That guy. Nothing against the actor, but that guy is no—he's just
3: he's not no Captain Kirk. Feels really no yeah. miscast. Have you guys seen the Roddenberry
4: archives?
3: Oh yes, that's yeah, quite interesting.
4: Yeah, and and I read that the 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 Spock person is an actor. There's no CGI at all. No, that, no. That's
5: that's CGI.
4: That that's what I read.
5: That so, face is CGI.
4: Well, <laughs> I, I I don't know. If that's true, that's amazing because I just assumed it was a deep fake. Mm-hmm. I, I assumed as well, and, and maybe the article was a deep deep fake, and I fell for that too.
5: Maybe it was AI lying to you.
3: <laughs> Wait,
4: have they have they been genetically creating actors?
3: <laughs> are they going to do the
2: fi- Are they going to do the fourth year? So, so.
0: Oh, well, look what look God. what they <laughs> did with Luke in <laughs> the Mandalorian. He can bring yeah. anybody back at this point.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah, that's the, the but, thing.
0: But going back to Kirk's body, yes. that's that whole scene was kind of cool because the first thing you see as they're going through is Genesis.
2: The Genesis, yeah. yeah the
0: Genesis that's the first of, you thing know, you see. Work. And then you see, like, you know, Kirk's body. And there were a couple other, like, Easter eggs in there as well. The Tribble. Tribble. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's scared
5: Worf.
0: Yeah, uh,
3: it's scared Worf. But, but yeah, yeah. And then, so-
0: there was also when they were amassing all the starships, and they have them all up on the screen. I had to freeze frame it just to go in and look at all the names of all the starships, because there was yeah. stuff in there like the USS Trumbull, right, and things yeah. like that. That like some of them were pretty deep as far as you know. If you're a Star Trek fan, I couldn't even yeah. pick out all of them, but uh, mm. there are quite a few uh, in there.
3: The one well, thing I had a
4: so, sorry what was that Lord of Blood, wrong?
2: President Anton Chekhov. Yeah. That was a
4: very Federation,
2: nice tribute to Chekhov and Anton Yelchin who played Yes, the, and, and Walter
4: got to be in a series that no one else from the original cast was in, so yeah. and Walter finally got series.
0: to do some voice work.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so. One of the things I was saying I had a problem with was, you know, the Federation's arch enemy nemesis was the Borg and we're gonna have a program that puts our ships together and functions like the Borg and it'll yeah. be collective. And then it happens to be Shelby who like authorized well, all this. And it's like and they comment on
2: it in in the series. Right. Riker says, of all people <laughs> to pass on this idea.
5: So there's there's maybe one or two things that could be happening here, right? So either Shelby got so into studying the Borg and so deeply you know, entrenched in their way of thought, that she mimicked them, right? Without thinking, yeah, that like, oh, this is a terrible idea, or the order came from on high, from like a bunch of changelings maybe that have taken over true. parts of Starfleet. Yeah, to, I, I like, think there was probably some
0: type of influence in there to yeah.
4: direct. Yeah. They got Chewbacca. So, yeah, they got Chewbacca. And let's talk about Ro Laren
5: oh that was a big one for me me too I
4: was just like and then and and, and she had that moment with Picard to be able to say you know I hurt you you hurt me And, and you know how many times have we had conversations with either our children or our loved ones or misunderstandings and miscommunication that go on for
3: years
5: yeah Well, and that was, that was always a character. Roland was like that character that could defy that Roddenberry, you know, box or whatever you want to call it, that, oh, there's no conflict, Mm -hmm. you know, and she really brought something special to the show when she was there. And I think she only had like maybe six episodes or something that.
4: that. And and one of them was her as a child with Whoopi Goldberg.
5: Yeah, which was a terrible, but still, you know. Yeah. But but yeah, she was a great character. She brought mm-hmm. conflict. She was interesting. The fact that she didn't necessarily fit in, and she had these convictions, and it wasn't oh, yeah. yeah, it wasn't like that episode where she decided to become a part of the Maquis You couldn't really say she was wrong. You know, that was the thing between right. the two of them in that scene where they're you know kind of saying, well, you hurt my feelings, and you did right. this and either of them, no, nobody was wrong and nobody was right, right? Yeah, he was suck. Like, no, you they, suck. They both had their stance, but yeah, that was a great send off for her to be able to sacrifice herself. Um, yeah, you know, right. and give them, give them that gift of like, here, you guys go, run with this, and
3: you know.
2: Right. Before we knew it was the changelings when we first meet Vatic. Who, again, yeah. I, I thought was an amazing character. the Amanda Plummer?
3: Yes. Yeah. Right?
2: Again, incredible oh. performance. But she had that weird way of talking. I thought, oh, they're bringing back the bugs from season <laughs> one. I okay, this is going to be what it is. I thought, okay, she's infected with, and she's got the little blue yes. on, her, on the back of her neck. Which is, to me, still one of the greatest loose ends Mm -hmm. of the next generation, because they sent that signal, you know, where are they? But it's Changelings, and I'm like, okay, okay, and then they did what they did with the Changelings, great. Then we find out it's the Borg, and I kind of went, oh, okay, Borg again, (laughs) all right. But what they did with it was fantastic, and that's why I say I trust Terry Metallus now.
4: Well, absolutely, I I was like, the Borg... Locutus, Locutus is nutsack? Wait a minute. Hold on.
3: <laughs>
5: Rewind that again? <laughs> well, let me ask you about this because the big theme was that Picard had become a father, right? He he was not. He, at one point, he says, oh, I was just going to sit in my vineyard and die, but now I have something to live for and all this other stuff. Social- I don't know, on one hand it's sweet and everything, but on the other hand it struck me as a little bit odd, because we also have had this theme whether it's been in Next Generation or in Classic Trek, where like the crew is a family. They're like a surrogate family, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea that like really, you didn't have anything to live for? You had these people in your life that were important to you, that you cared about deeply, but that wasn't enough. You had to like, and yes, it's important. He discovers he has a son and that's very meaningful, but it was a little to me, a little maybe dishonest that he had nothing really to live for.
3: Well, Um,
4: there's a difference between friends and, and a partner. And, and, you know, maybe I'm going further than they intended us to go. So I I kind of get it. I mean, you know, when friends move on, friends find relationships, move to other States and, you know, Walkie and I, when's the last time we embraced face-to-face? Oh, I know, I know. Our... I'm,
5: just, I'm just saying that I thought it was sort of a twisting of the theme that they had had
3: Throughout the yeah. yeah. What happened yeah. Well, to Laris?
2: What's that? What happened to Laris? To yeah! yeah. I, in the first because... episode, it's you got the feeling at the end of season two right. that supposedly he could now open up and have a relationship with her right. and then the season starts with them together and she says, you, you've got to leave, I understand, you've got to go, mm-hmm. go. And they have made plans to meet on some planet somewhere.
4: Yeah, but that's before Beverly says, you know, your born yeah. sperm yeah. made a born baby. And
2: <laughs> They should have put a quick
4: scene in there where he contacts Larry and says, Hey,
3: babe. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be late. Well, you
4: know, I thought it was interesting. They they put that five-minute scene in there where, uh, you know, and, and I swear to God, there's a scene in Red Dwarf where Arnold Rimmer uh, it has a scene similar to that where it's like, I hate to bother you, Captain Picard, but um can I ask you about? Well, I'm I'm having my wine and oh and yes, I'll entertain mm-hmm. with I'll regale you. And he's like, Oh, oh, oh. and we did this and right. that and that. Well, and so he... like, well, what about a family? He's like, I don't need a family, I'm Admiral Picard. Right. And he remembers, Oh shit, that was Jack sitting at the bar yeah. when yeah. I said I don't need you know.
5: I was never clear if he actually remembered. Jack or or not?
4: There, there's a look in his face where he's like, <gasps> "Oh shit!" Yeah. It, it is how I took it. Well,
0: right? the second time they showed because they showed that scene like twice. Yeah, there's Different a scene seconds. where, you know, yeah. where it, like actually happened, and then him remembering it, and in his memory he realizes that Jack's sitting over there at the bar. I
5: have to go back and watch that.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, g- kind of going back to Amanda Plumber. I thought it was interesting that she's actually the daughter of Christopher Plummer. Yes. Who played a Klingon yeah. in Star Trek 6. So, right, yeah. Or Star Trek Chang, Heritage. Yeah. 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 But but it I thought she did race. a great job. As, you know, at first, when she first came on, it was kind of hard to take, but then as it went on, she became quite a good villain. Not quite yeah. to Khan's
4: level, but no, she I'm best sure. could write her in Picard, though. I mean, yeah. you know, at first, she, she got the better of them. Yeah. Um, yeah.
5: I guess I'm the only one who thought she was kind of annoying.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
5: I just thought well, she was okay. annoying? Well, okay. just, just over the top. I mean, towards oh, the well, end, she, 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 toned it, the she toned it down towards the end and everything, but I, I guess I just... That whole crazy kind of cackling <laughs> thing just <laughs> kind of... It's like she would have been at home in the Black Forest with a cabin and <laughs> putting <laughs> the kids in the kettle and,
0: you know, just... And then again, I mean, look at look at Khan. He's, like, one of the best villains. And he was pretty oh, over the yeah. top. You know, all his Seasuerian oh, quotes yeah. but and everything. But. Yeah, just
5: just in a way that didn't, like, irritate me and make me want to go up and, like, hit him with a two-by-four.
2: So <laughs> well, he had that Psychotic. big
4: chest and all. She was nuts, yeah.
5: Yeah, she was around she was, round, <laughs> she was bend.
4: She was fun. She, she was a great, I thought, nemesis, maybe a little lower than the top. But let's talk about how, um, you know, Ron Moore was, was uh, one of the writers on Next Gen and Deep Space Nine and comes to a point where it's like, okay, the fleet is acting like Borg. They're all connected. We need a ship that is not connected to the rest of the fleet, a la Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs>
5: they and borrowed they, from a lot of
0: things they, oh, they did sure.
3: oh, they and borrowed a lot just from straight Star straight
0: Trek away. I mean the whole space uh, the whole starship like battle and chase and through the nebula I mean it was all out of Star Trek too. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. flying
3: almost into the center of shot. the board
4: cube was straight out of Star Wars. Right.
2: Yeah. Right.
3: That was Star
4: Wars. Yeah.
3: And, and look,
4: how many kids has Picard had or almost had between the series Nemesis and now season three? Okay. This one's really his, but, uh,
5: you know, it was kind of <laughs> like and it's all about execution. If you yeah, execute yeah. it well, then people will forgive you. But I will admit, the first couple of episodes, two or three episodes, I was kind of like, are they just doing Wrath of Khan? We've got a sun, we've got like a nebula. It's like yeah. what what the hell? They're just drifting on that. Wrath of Khan. But it, it was so well done. And then we moved on to other things. Um, but yeah, I was like really kind of worried. I was I I was enjoying the first few episodes, but there were things that kind of had me concerned. And then when Riker blew up at Picard Yeah on the bridge, I was like, What?
0: What? All. But then
5: you realize that 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 next.
0: Yeah, that was a tough line. And they ended the episode on it.
5: Right. And they ended the episode and it was abrupt and it was like, oh, crap. But that next episode, they come back and Riker comes in and he basically apologizes. And you realize, oh, my God, this man has so much crap going on in his life. He's disconnected from his wife and his kid he hasn't been able to mourn his son properly. Right. He he hasn't been in command for a while, so he's you know feeling like, uh, you know out of out of practice with that in this critical situation. And it was like, oh, it does make sense. And I think that was the thing I really appreciated about the series is that these characters had been allowed to move on in a way that the original series characters never got to, you know, they Mm -hmm. never got to like move on and get promoted or go somewhere else and like do something else. They were always just like, they never grew. (laughs) Right. And you never learned anything more about them. Like Sulu finally went off and became captain of another ship. But like Mm -hmm. Uhura was always the communications officer, Mm -hmm. you know, and they were always just stuck in the same space and, Mm -hmm. and, and they never had any real other than like Spock, Uh, Kirk and McCoy, they didn't have any real emotional interactions with each other. I mean, you can say what you want about, like, Star Trek V, but those scenes when um, Cybok comes in and and starts, like, well, let me release your pain and we find out, like, McCoy's dad, what happened with him and stuff. That's probably
2: the best scene in the movie, yeah.
5: Yeah, there's some real interaction there, and that was about the best that they got in a lot of ways, whereas in this series we got to see, like, how they developed and then how they interact with each other had changed. You know, Picard and Riker are much more on uh, equal footing. You right. know, they're like old friends now instead of a captain and a first officer. And right. they well, just I think did a lot
0: of that out. has to do with the fact that Riker went on to become a captain.
3: Right. Exactly. Sure. Yeah.
2: yeah. Sure. And they all had deeper motivations for what they were doing when Riker and Picard were fighting on the bridges because Picard said, we've got to fight these Riker was saying, no, we can't, we're not in a position to, Mm -hmm. but what Riker was doing was trying to save Picard and his son so they could have a relationship that he never was able to have with his son. Mm -hmm. So when he finally says to Picard, when they were basically dead in the water, you've killed us all, he's more or less saying you screwed up your opportunity to have a life with your son by your decision.
4: That, right, and and it was beautifully done. One of the things done. I haven't gone back and watched all good things, but the way that Picard he wasn't bumbling and stumbling like he was in all good things, but he was arguing with Riker that we have to do this thing. This is how, we're, and right. it kind of echoed the Picard from all good things to me, which, which was kind of interesting yeah. for me to watch. What what is is Riker going to listen? Is Riker and you know Riker is his own person. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I think that w- was outstanding to me, um, the first strong female character I think we had in Star Trek wasn't Beverly Crusher or Deanna Troy or even Yar. It was Ro Laren, and Ro was the template for um, Kira Nerys in Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine, mm-hmm. a very strong-willed woman that, that is, you know, her own boss. It was wonderful to see Beverly become a badass, almost like Sarah Connor, you know. (laughs) Um, And and Deanna Troy, that love and commitment that she had, and that Riker had for her, his imzadi, and and, you know they they had such great lines. I wish I would have talked to another word besides imzadi, and 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 that that argument that they had about. You, you tried to take my pain away from me and I'm, I'm butchering the line, but she's like, no, I was trying to help you deal with the pain. and You ran away. You ran to the stars. Right. And I'm like, what a wonderful set of dialogue and acting between these, these characters. It was just so heartwarming. And, and, and it was, it was a wonderful thing to watch. You
2: asked before we started recording, Raise your hand if you laughed and cried, or cried during the series. Where I came very close to crying was when they all thought we're dead, yeah. and uh, Riker is in the Borg ship. They've just detonated the core; everything's blowing all to hell. And Riker says, "I'll I'll be waiting for you, Imzadi, with my son, with our son."
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: she feels that love. And goes to navigation and finds them. I was like, oh my god! One that is the that is her of the entire series to this. Mo- that was that character's strongest moment. Exactly, exactly. That was that <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I'm not. <laughs> no, I hear you. That character's strongest moment, and it was heartfelt and it was incredible.
4: Ooh, Lord, Rock, it was as badass as any anything. Yeah. They they could have thrown at yes. me in that series that that yes. moment and and they all had different moments. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about Worf, but you know when he sees Deanna for the first time, he's like, "Deanna, I <laughs> thought about you nonstop." It. Right <laughs> here, like, hey, <laughs> what is,
3: wait a minute!
5: <laughs> it, it was a really hilarious acknowledgement of that bad idea to ship Deanna and Worf in the, what was it, the final season of... of I, I want to say it was 10, 6 and 7. 6 and 7. It, yeah. just, it just really didn't work, but if they just go ahead and say it happened and, yeah, Riker's standing there like,
2: what? <laughs> 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 but, Worf, yeah. w- Worf was amazing. And I was worried when I saw the trailers, when he was saying, I, I prefer pacifism now, I'm like, oh, yeah. no, what have they done to this <laughs> character? But no, he was... Fantastic because he's, he's still he probably had the oh, highest body count. Yeah. <laughs>
5: yeah. He's a very bad pacifist.
3: Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> he's very his entire
2: his entire philosophical attitude now towards being a Klingon and who he is and what he does.
3: Well, you know, it's, incredible. I, it's not I,
2: just it, warp. Oh, sorry,
3: Walker.
5: I just wanted to say one of the things is I like when when I first started watching next gen, I really didn't like Worf. And I think one of the things was, is because he came across as a bumbler, you know, like every time somebody would come on the ship, he, and he'd have to restrain them or something. He'd get thrown around. There was even that time they had the one character, those shapeshifters, and one was like a little old grandmother, and yeah. she beat the shit out of him. And it was just like, <laughs> and then he'd always, you know, profess. He would be like beating his chest about how tough he was and all this. And I thought, God, this guy's just an idiot. <laughs> and um, he got better though as the series yep. went on. But then when he got on Deep Space Nine, he really like yeah. things changed. And I love the progression they've had with him. From Deep Space Nine and now in this show, it, it's almost like he reminds me of like, a, I don't know, a Shaolin monk or something, right? Yeah. He's just like, he's learned all this stuff. He's really, you know, let it wash over him and right. and he's comfortable with himself. And the thing is, he reminds me, they used to always say like, well, Data is the Spock of next generation. I always thought Worf was the Spock of next generation because he was in two worlds, he had to learn how to be comfortable with himself. He, he was always felt like maybe he he had to be more Klingon than Klingon to prove that he was yep. a Klingon, yep. you know? And he's gone through all this growth, right? And now he's just, like, super comfortable with himself. And Spock was the same way. He finally got to a place where he was, like, just real comfortable with who he was. Right. And anyway, that's
4: hey,
3: all I got to say about that?
4: Hey, <laughs> no, you, you hit the nail on the head. I oh, yeah. Got- He's like Worf, son of Mo, house of Martok, you know, Bane of, Bane
3: the, Duros. The, Duros family. Bane of the Duros family. Yeah, who <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> likes some tea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he oh has some an incredible
2: life. And when they all get back on the ship, just like like a Jedi.
4: They all get back on the ship. He sits down and goes to
3: sleep. <laughs> yeah, quite get some rest.
4: <laughs> uh, when they go on the ship, and Picard's like, "You know, being here, what I've missed the most—the carpeting." <laughs> yeah.
3: It's like Picard
5: and Worf are totally unsentimental about the ship. okay right. Worf gets one. I prefer the Enterprise E. It had better weapons systems. Right.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> it was not my fault what happened to it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting
2: to find out. Yeah. What yeah that... well, that's in a novel. That's that's from a novel, I believe. Huh. commands the Enterprise E and it's destroyed. I I'm not even sure which novel it is. Oh. But...
5: Enterprise E was a good looking ship.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, they definitely went on a deep dive in a lot of this. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Metallus knows his Star Trek, man. I mean he, he does. Was, yeah. And he's making you, you can you can know Star Trek and make connections back to things that are totally stupid. Yeah. He, <laughs> he did. He, he He made connections and stuff that made sense, that brought things in from the past that should have been brought in from mm-hmm. the past and right. fit in organically with everything else
4: that was going on. Well, look, we, we need to talk about data before our time together is over. Um, You know, from the time that he uh, created his daughter, Lal, to meaning Sharzenka and, you know, uh, uh, Whisper in the Night, um, you know, building relationships with his crewmates, mm-hmm. uh, becoming fully functional with Tasha Yar, um, mm-hmm. getting a cat named Spot painting, and just the, the, wow. the wonderful development of this character over seven years and several movies. And like I said, the way they ended Data, I just, you know, they introduced B4, and it's like, oh... Uh, it just—it still irks me, even though they tried to retcon everything with Picard. Now, you know, the first season they—they they did the the AI and they tried to de-age and 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 eh, I don't know, I don't know how successful that was. Thank God they said, you know what, this is a new version of Data. He's going to have a pop belly and a receding hairline. we going to go with it. And I'm like, yeah. hey. um, right. that moment where he's talking with Lore. Yes. And, and Laura's taking the trophies, the, the painting of the and, and the oh. holograph of Yar. And, uh, you know, it, it could be, those of you that are listening to Planet 8, you know, we lost our home and my family in, in February. And we'll talk more about that in the tail end. But we also lost our cat, Gizmo. Hmm. And so when Data talks about his cat. Sure. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah.
5: Very yeah. hard. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. It was great. Yeah, it was great. And and the overall story is that here's Lore who was so greedy. And I was like, I won! And mm-hmm. I'm and then yeah, I started crying, I like, oh no, shit, he won. And I was like, Bloof. oh no, data's, you know, the one who prevails. Like, oh, thank God. Now, does that mean data has part of Lore in him? And you know, is he gonna do like practical jokes and here, pull my finger, Captain? And you know, things of that nature, or is there a possibility? that lore will actually interfere with data's true nature. I right, no, I
2: think it's already there. I think that yeah. he is an amalgam of everything that was in him. Because the scene where he wants to take the ship in and exactly. they say no, it's it's impossible. He says, Trust me. Trust oh, me. Yeah. Let me do, mm-hmm. He gets aggressive. Yeah. Trust me, I can do this. Let me do this. Yeah, like, I that, totally that, thought yeah. that was and lore and at he that has that point. a big smile on his face when he points it. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And when Jordy, oh. uh, yeah, when Jordy was gonna run to the bridge, he's like, "Jordy, Jordy, no, no, we need a plan. Yeah, no, you, you can't save them like this. We need a plan." Right. Mm-hmm, right. That's he's, uh, he's just he's become human with Data's personality, which is almost data less. I don't know, child uh, childlike. Mm-hmm. I guess more with a, an emotional
4: understanding of what's going on around him. It, it kind of reminds me. What was that episode in the original series where Kirk got split in half?
3: The enemy that was in. the unicorn dog. Oh, yeah. yeah,
4: and and the two could not survive. Exactly. But mm-hmm. together, the, the good and the bad, the weak and the strong. Yeah, you know, there were characteristics between the yep. two that made the whole. Right.
5: It's practice. almost like imagine if we'd been stuck with like the gentle, benevolent. Kirk all this time, Right. you know, and he
4: right.
5: he'd be interesting to some degree, and you'd think he was a nice person, but he would have been very ineffectual in a lot of ways, especially as a commander. But yeah, right. you put the right. two together. So yeah, I, I Lord Bloodrise so totally thought the same thing when he was telling them, "Let me do this. I can do this." Right. That was all the drive and desire and everything that Lore always had, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the best
0: the best parts of both. And, right. you know, we talked about this before the the episode, but, um, yeah, I mean, they had that conflict and they had the doubtfulness of, you know, is he going to be really going to be part of the crew? Is he really going to help us out or is he going to sabotage? But it only lasted till the end of that episode. Yeah. And then it was right. kind of taken care of and established and he could go on in the following episodes right. to, uh. To work and do whatever Absolutely. with the crew but. I, I
4: i wish there were more scenes between data and and jordi <clears throat> um they have such a wonderful rapport and relationship it also would have been cool for data to have had a conversation with his daughter from the first series whose name eludes me
3: oh right
4: um, yeah they, they didn't have you know um yeah. any kind of interaction and, and they gave a whole series you know, to to talk about his daughter, daughter's um, missed opportunity. And let's not forget, um, uh, you know, Jordy's daughter and and that relationship. What they do with just five or ten minutes is really good writing.
0: Yes. It's really good acting. Well, he yeah. had two daughters.
4: Yeah, yeah. One is his real one daughter. Is a,
0: yeah. One is his real yeah. daughter.
2: Right. So. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah.
0: But
2: and yeah. speaking of the writing, I, I don't know if we mentioned much about Shaw. Yet, oh, Shaw! Incredible character, fantastic character, and layers that writer character. layers. Have, had him a villain from the beginning. He yeah. would have sold them out. Da 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 Yeah. You meet him first episode. He does not buy into the hero worship of Picard and Riker. Uh, they say, "Well, we're going to take this ship over here for a shakedown cruise." No, you're not. <laughs> no, you cowboys you, you're not taking my ship and like you know you you half bored drive me nuts that kind of thing it's like not even borderline he was offensive oh yeah he, oh
3: yeah He walks puts him out in those little line,
2: call me if anything happens uh and so even into the next episode was it the next episode or was two episodes in where he says i called starfleet <laughs> so they're on their way, folks. You know, and he's happy in the in the lift, like I'm getting rid of these two assholes, kind of thing. Yeah. And um, then the turnaround. Then no, you understand why he's this way, right? What's going on with him? Uh, the whole and something that I saw in a video today that didn't that uh, didn't dawn on me, but that whole speech about. Him at Wolf 359, very reminiscent of the uh, speech from Jaws.
3: Jaws, yeah.
2: And that That, was Robert Shaw. Shaw,
3: yeah. I saw somebody
5: make this comment, yeah. I did
2: not put that together. Like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course, fantastic. Great character. Would like to have seen him go on. That would have been cool to see him go on. That
4: that would have been cool. Great arc. Wonderful character. I think in talking with Cap- uh, about Captain Shaw, we have to talk about now Captain Seven of Nine.
3: Yeah,
4: yeah.
2: Again, another character I found uh, annoying in Picard 2. Mm-hmm. It was just like uh, well, took- Card Two was just. A- <laughs> Almost everybody I mean, was
3: annoying
2: Yeah. Um, well, never mind. Yeah. And <laughs> this character. She was. She was. She was very good. She was. Uh, very self-possessed, knew she had to deal with this captain that respected her and yet kept dead-naming her. Right. And So showing disrespect for her in a public way but then at the end knowing that he was uh, recommending her for a captaincy because she was just a good officer. Period. (laughs) Uh, very, Very well done. Very good progression of the character.
4: You know, he he made the comment that she, you know she goes against the book every opportunity she you know has, and maybe we need leaders who go against the book once in a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he well, in, in a way realizing his own you know issues and and fallacies and the the, the trust that he had mm-hmm. in his second in command, it was just. Really it was, good episode. It
2: was probably good episode. his PTSD from Wolf Three Five Nine that made him such a by the book mm-hmm. captain. Because he was, I mean, he was a good he was a good captain. He was. You know, he look, looked after his crew, maintained his ship. He was a good captain, but just he respected we his him, command. Exactly. We were seeing him at his worst when Picard and Riker came on board.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So from there on, you know, he we, we're basically getting him kind of at his worst.
4: Right.
2: Yeah. Well, I yeah. think like one of the funniest
0: scenes had to be when Jack got his basically he got his place on the Enterprise. And he comes walking on there and starts throwing out orders and sitting in the chair and you know, right. you <laughs> think, Oh man, they made him captain until seven or nine comes out and says, Get out of the chair.
3: Yeah,
4: Yeah. (laughs) I do want to mention, too, how fun it was to go to the uh, Fleet Museum and see some of those ships from other shows and movies to see the Enterprise again. Yeah. You know um, that that Jordy has been personally working on restoring the Enterprise D for all these years.
5: That was an interesting choice, too, for Jordy. It's like, okay, and plus he was a Commodore. We don't see that rank very often now in, you know, later Star Trek series. Um, I don't know if it was like, well, we don't want him to be an admiral like Picard, but, you know, we got to give him something, so they <laughs> 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 had him be a Commodore. But it was interesting to see, you know, his choices, too, right? Because he's he's not just... Like in the past, you know, if Picard said, Oh, Geordie, I need your help, of course he would be like, Yeah, that's whatever you want, you know. Um, but obviously he has his um priorities, which are his daughter's now. And he's, you know, sitting there like, No, you you come on my ship or you come over here to the museum and you're gonna stay here. And yeah, you know, the situation with his daughter and his daughter and basically having to remind him what it is to be. A Starfleet officer and the obligations that you take on. I thought that was really good.
2: It was one minor quibble. Mm-hmm. Why Get did out of here. the Star the Starfleet Museum have Klingon ships and a Romulan ship? Yeah. Wouldn't those governments have demanded those ships back? Because was Kronos was Kratos one one of the ships that they had? I can't oh, remember.
4: that's a good question. I don't
2: know, but I know I like.
4: The the uh, um, what's the one in D.C.? The uh, Smithsonian. Yeah. The uh, um, like not agriculture. But anyway, th- there's a Moai from Easter Island at the Smithsonian.
3: Is it on loan? On, Maybe they're on, on, on loan. I,
4: I don't know. Well, Maybe yeah. Like but then that... loaned the ship to the Federation. It, it <laughs> crashed in the bay if it was a ship that Kirk and Spock were on.
2: But I was gonna say it didn't have enemy technology from you know, and, and technology from a, an opposing
3: oh, yeah, that's government though. I I,
2: I I found that strange, but well, the <laughs> enterprise device. cloaks. We, we stole their cloaking device. We stole the cloaking device, yeah. <laughs> that's why it was there, that's why it had to be there. Yeah.
5: Well, um, at this point. point. The Federation, point. I thought we made a treaty that we would not put cloaking technology in we yes, because I live in the Federation. That's right. Um, it doesn't it doesn't really <laughs>
3: We won't put uh, cloaking tech in the ships. uh, Commodore Walker, computer, computer. Computer.
0: We'll see what happens. like whenever a Klingon ship or Romulan ship passes by the museum, they just cloak their ships, so they can't, (laughs) see so they don't know they're there.
3: Right.
4: Well, I, I tell you, my friends, it was a wonderful season. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, before we wrap, yeah.
0: though, there's one person I'd like to highlight. Yes. And that's Stephen Barton, who did oh, music yes. for season music three. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Great. You know, he had a lot of callbacks to older themes from films and whatever. Mm-hmm. But he also, right. you know, the music. The original music that he did for the season, I thought it was a big step up from season one and two. Oh,
4: yeah, uh, absolutely! It was
0: excellent, excellent
4: sound really good work. Now, yeah. uh, you know, any good movie or TV show that needs to have good music, otherwise,
3: oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like the music and so
5: many of these shows now are, are is almost like an afterthought. Um, mm-hmm. especially, I, I haven't Paid much attention to network shows, but I, I watched a few things lately, and it's like it sounds like this bargain basement synthesizer music. I, I don't know where they're getting it.
0: Well, see, yeah, because the problem is, if you think back, I mean, obviously, you probably get you guys probably have as many soundtrack albums as I do, but you know, you hear some soundtrack music or a cue or whatever, and it's like, oh, I know what movie that's from. Mm-hmm. Now you don't. It's like, yeah, it's also mm-hmm. similar and generic that. Yeah, you know, where's this music coming from? Uh, I don't know. Oh, uh, uh, could be Star I Trek, agree. could be a mm-hmm. uh, Fuller House or something. Yeah, Star, Star Trek, Trek the or-
2: Universal Monsters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Or yeah.
4: you know, I think of like Battlestar Galactica and Bear McQuarrie, and, and I mean that is just such epic music that he wrote for every single episode, just about every single episode. Um,
2: anyway well, well, I mean, music, I yeah. feel very cinematic uh, yeah. it, but if you
0: think it, back you, you you wanna, music oh, yeah. is a very important part of star trek over the years oh yeah oh yeah
3: you yeah know,
0: and i think they kind of lost that somewhere along the way and i think this at least well, brings it back
5: i heard a theory the other day from i i watch youtube <laughs> and so you know I'm well educated
3: too. <laughs> um, uh,
5: this guy who has a channel, uh, he's a music producer, and uh, talks about a lot of different things about music. But um, one of his uh, episodes the other day, he was talking about how uh, we don't hear as much music in TV shows or or movies. Uh, some uh, movies less so, but. He says that he thinks that and this is very ageist, but younger generations are not as focused on music as say like we are. Um, and that this may come from being more obsessed with things like video games or watching TikTok videos or other stuff, and that like a lot of music that does come out today is rather simplistic or has, is very focused on very repetitive beats and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just don't have, like, really complex musical structures that, like, we're more used to hearing in music, and they're not as focused on listening to, to music the way... We grew up listening to, like, albums, right? So
3: mm, yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: it's a different way of yeah. listening to things. Well, I mean,
0: I don't think anybody now will, like lay back with their headphones on, close their eyes, and listen to music.
5: Yeah, right. They're, it, that's the other the thing. All the senses you said
0: need to be, you know. Right,
5: they're multitasking, multitasking, right? Yeah. They're watching a TV show, they're playing a video game, they're on their phone texting with somebody. And so why would you want to listen to music? at this? Yeah, I mean,
4: I have trouble texting and pooping at the same time, so I don't know how these kids do it. That's the
2: only time I text. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering
0: about that text you sent me the other day.
4: <laughs> Sorry, it took so long to respond. Do,
3: text, <laughs> do they float?
4: <laughs> <laughs> we all float down
2: here. <laughs> uh, but anyway. I would love to see Picard season three on a big screen. Oh, I, you know, like. I would go to a 10 hour marathon. Well, the, they the released. Last what two was, the last? The last two
0: episodes they released in IMAX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard that would have been yeah. cool to see. Mm-hmm. It was pretty limited where they were, but
3: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It was. It was very c- cinematic. It felt like yeah, it had the structure of a long movie. Absolutely. See, I'm yeah.
0: wondering. I'm wondering the fact that the last two episodes were in IMAX, if that allowed them, like a larger budget. Those episodes could have been. You look at all the stuff that's going on with all the ships and all the formations and all the battles. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's not your regular TV fare. No,
2: yeah, no, you know, and it wasn't a copy paste fleet like. Oh,
5: that was terrible. Oh, yeah, but you know, it was it was a great send off for this crew. I mean, you had all good things. But then they did the movies so then it felt like oh okay that wasn't really the send-off right and then they did the movies but then yeah nemesis was terrible so now we finally got the great send-off and and i gotta say as somebody who's you know getting older it's nice to see older folks out there you know kicking butt so that was satisfying in that regard as well um but you know if they said hey we're gonna do Star Trek uh what are they calling it Star Trek Legacy? Legacy. And they if it was Terry Metalis and the the folks they showed us on the bridge at the the end even with Rafi, I would still I would still watch it because they did such a fine job.
3: Yeah. If, if
4: Rafi comes on they have to have Worf so he can say Raffaella. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: So I guess we could say that we all liked season 3, huh?
3: Loved it, Chef's kiss. Yes, loved it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Yeah.
0: So that's
4: good. We were mm-hmm. all positive. Absolutely, and oh, uh,
5: wow, we're all positive on something.
4: <laughs> I, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, we'll wait till next episode. <laughs> just just out of curiosity, the Zindi are going to fire on us in three seconds. I'll count down three. And let's see which way we all shake. On the count, when, when we hit three, we all go okay. whatever direction we're going to okay. go. Okay. So one, two, three. <laughs> nah, <it> seems. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> see, that was more like the original Star Trek. Yeah.
4: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, my friends, uh, thank you uh, for this time together, our fifth year anniversary, Lord Raw joining the party once again.
2: Thank you. Um,
4: and congratulations again
2: on five years. That's, that's a thank beat. You. That's great. We
5: just don't know what to do with our free time.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we got nothing else to do. That's why we do this. We got so, go, going with the new theme, we're going to have our sensor suite. Bob's going to share something with us, and he's going to kick off. Each of us will take a few moments to kind of share what it is we're into right now. Whether it's a book, whether we're going to um, put on some shows, or we have some podcasts somewhere else, or some YouTube or or whatnot. Um, so, Chief, why don't you go ahead and, and kick us off with uh, sensor suite?
0: Well, um, I'm putting on a couple shows. And I kind of hinted, you know, back when we were doing new episodes, I was kind of hinting at a show coming up. And after a year, a whole year, literally a calendar year, almost to the day of negotiating, I finally got the okay to do an Ultraman show. And uh, as you can see, I'm not really an Ultraman fan. (laughs) No. But, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing – On uh, July 21st through the 23rd at the Four Star Theater in San Francisco, we're going to be doing UltraFest, and uh, we're just kind of in the planning stages now. We are um, confirmed that we'll be able to show the new Shin Ultraman. We also are going to be hopefully premiering brand new 4K restorations of the original 1966
3: Ultraman, oh, wow. and
0: uh, basically they're putting together like compilation movies, like 80 minute movies, with huh. episodes from the original series. And they'll have like directors, writers, etc., come on at the beginning and introduce it and talk about why these episodes are their favorites or why they're so important, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we'll be sprinkling some of those in. And then I sent them a big old list of movies we want to show. And I'm waiting to hear back uh, whether or not uh, which ones we can show. And uh, we do have some cool things going on. Uh, Mark Nagata, who does Max Toyko, he's making a, uh, he makes these like six-inch tall, five or six-inch tall Ultraman figures, fully licensed. He's going to make an exclusive Shin Ultraman figure for our show. Nice. And uh, there'll be about. I think he's going to make like 30. So you're going to want to get your hands on those really quick. Yeah. And then yeah. we've got uh, Jade City. Uh, they released Godzilla and Ultraman, like hot sauce and coffees and all that. They're going to try to do a, uh, a show exclusive coffee for us. Um, part cards. Uh, they did a whole set of Ultraman cards. They're working on another set now, but they're going to do an exclusive card for the show. I just sent them a Bay Area Film Events logo to go on there. So, uh, And there's some other things that uh, are going to come up that are really cool. So uh, right, you're definitely going to want to check that out. It's going to be a co-production with Bay Area Film Events, Cinema SF, and Sci-Fi Japan. So uh, you can keep an eye on Sci-Fi Japan for the latest information. You can also go to bayareafilmevents.com slash Ultraman and uh, get your information there. And then if that wasn't enough, in August, over at the Balboa Theater, we'll be doing our yearly Godzilla Fest. And but wait, there's more? There's more. There's <laughs> Godzilla. So uh, that was the last, the last weekend of August. I think it's like the 25th, 26th, something like that. And cool. uh, we're just we're in the planning stages for Ultraman, and then we'll start thinking about Godzilla Fest. But we always uh, – I know it's the 50th anniversary – of everyone's favorite Godzilla versus Megalon. So yeah. we'll, do, we'll do something with that. And uh, it's also the 40th anniversary of the 1993 Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. So um. that'll be a highlight. Next year, thinking way ahead, is the uh, 50th anniversary of Mechagodzilla. So we Ooh. may end up doing Mechagodzilla Fest next year. So nice. we'll, we'll figure that out. But that's kind of what I've been up to. Other than that, Debbie and I have been binging on uh, Penny Dreadful. So if you guys want to do a Penny Dreadful, mm-hmm. we're catching up on that. I think we're about oh, I'm, I'm down maybe for three that. or four episodes into the second oh, yeah. season right now. I yeah, need so to rewatch
2: that. That was a great
4: show. Give us mm-hmm.
0: some time to finish that up and then we can do an episode
4: well, give us time, too. We'll have to start catching up with some Yeah, watching <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've been trying to watch that and X-Files because we want to do an X-Files one. And yeah. oh, I got to
5: get back to the X-Files. And
0: then there's just so much on. I mean, we just finished Picard. We just finished Mandalorian. We just finished – well, we're coming to the end of The Flash. We've been watching uh, Superman and Lois, which has become a really good show.
3: No, I got to get
4: back to that.
0: We kind of gave Gotham Knights a chance, and it's been – Pretty interesting. We're sticking with that for a little bit. Mm. So there's some cool stuff going on.
4: Definitely, mm. Lord Bloodraw. What much you have going on?
2: Oh, my lords and ladies, I am proud to announce that Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Racking Theater is now on the nostalgia, uh, the Nostalgia Network, uh, N O S T, the Nostalgia Network, and it's on every Saturday night at nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time and again at 2 a.m. or West Coast, 6 p.m. and 11 p.m. That's Saturday nights. All brand new episodes coming up. Uh, the Nostalgia yeah. Network, uh, you can look for, look at the listings at watchnost.com for a station, uh, near you. It's on, uh, over 40 stations across the country and streaming on Roku, Ooh. Disc TV, Sling, a whole bunch of other, uh, 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 platform, so, so you can check it out. Yeah. Streaming is an app. The streaming is, yeah, it's it's an app, yeah. Okay. But you can also, you, like I say, on Sling or through Roku on its own. Just get NOST and you can find it there, or you can just watch it on regular on broadcast TV at different stations. Mm-hmm. Like in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's KS KSQL. I think I'm not quite sure. Best thing to do is go to watchnost.dot.com and find a station near you to watch it, or, or streaming. And uh, let's see, also, uh, every month I'm doing Chiller Diller Theater at the Orinda Theater, Arenda, California. Classic horror and science fiction films at this grand old movie palace with a full bar, which is always great. <laughs> um, classics like we've shown War of the Worlds. We're doing The Invisible Boy. We've got uh, the original Tales from the Crypt coming up. Uh, invasion of the body snatchers, various films coming up. Uh, if you check out for, King for Blood vs. Godzilla. Yeah. A lot of fun. We're doing the nineteen the newest Godzilla, King of the Monsters in December not December, November. We're doing that one in, in, coming up in November. And we did King Kong versus Godzilla in January. Yeah, in the, uh, the, original two, so. the original The original. The yeah. original Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the original one. So well, you can go to LordBloodrod.com and check out the events for uh, for that to get that full schedule. And on August 12th, again at the Arenda Theater, uh, Creatures Con is presenting the 55th anniversary of Night of the Living Dead. And we're going to be celebrating that with the screenwriter of Night of the Living Dead, John Russo. We're also going to be showing the very first zombie movie, White Zombie with Bela Lugosi. Uh, it's going to be special drinks, special food. Uh, guests prizes it's going to be great so that's August 12th at the Orinda theater and again you can get all that information at uh LordBloodraw.com.
4: excellent and, and Lord Blood Raw now that Picard is off the air and Mandalorian what, what are you reading what are you watching what uh, you're you're very busy but if you have some spare time what do you I let's see
2: what am I watching but uh, yeah both of those shows just ended. I'm, you know what I'm watching pretty religiously is The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, a <laughs> <laughs> that show. Okay. That is that is a fun show. I really. Oh my god. Um, oh. Evil is a fantastic show. It's not currently in a in a new season, but it's on Peacock, and uh, it's a horror show that's very unique. It's like I don't remember the name of the actor. The actor who played Luke Cage. Oh yeah. Okay.
5: yeah, yeah. I saw one or two episodes of that. I need to check that out again.
2: Yeah, it's it's fun. It's uh about demonic uh the war against demons on earth and uh it's kind of a X-Files slash exorcist. I don't want to say exorcist, but uh you got to check it out. Yeah, uh-huh. Evil on uh Peacock Networks. Really good. It's a good nice. it's a good show. And, and I need to re-watch Penny Dreadful now. Yeah. <laughs> we, all do. <laughs> we will
0: do, a. I swear, one way or another, we'll do a Penny Dreadful episode. <laughs>
2: That's great. There's so many shows out there. It's Definitely. It's hard to, hard to catch up on.
4: My dear Walker, let's kick it up to the satellite. What are you into right now? What, what are you reading watching?
5: What am I reading and watching? I am still quite slowly making my way through season two of space,
3: 1999,
5: <laughs> <laughs> like, like an episode every couple of weeks. So season one is, is quite charming. It's very, uh, gloomy. It's very, um, almost like, uh, it's almost like a haunted house in space kind of thing going on, you know, and they're just like at the whims of whatever happens to them. And then, Season two, it, it's just it has a totally different attitude. It's almost like Lost in Space, in Space, nineteen ninety nine. Lost in Space, nineteen ninety nine. It's just yeah, it's totally, it's just it loses that that creepy vibe that it had. It's just not as much fun to watch. So.
3: Well, season, well, my um, friend, oh, go oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Lord. Of I was, but
2: is, is season two when? Is it Ailea? Not Ailea, but the alien Catherine woman who's on board. Catherine yes, the shapeshifter. yeah, she's
3: yeah, yeah. she's shapeshifter, shapeshifter, shapeshifter comes on, yeah. Okay.
5: And uh, Freddie Freiberger from season three of original Star Trek is the producer on and this as well. That explains a
3: lot. Yeah.
5: <laughs> so the, yeah, so really Ma- yeah, yeah, Maya the shapeshifter. And the other My. thing, the, the other thing I started watching um, a while back and have been. Making my way through is um Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which oh
3: my God.
5: I never saw when it came out. So I've been watching that and it's actually pretty interesting.
3: That's
4: what I'm uh, Summer Glau, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Summer Glau. I'm surprised you're watching that, Walker. Really? Why why are it's, you surprised? It's very light on the sci fi and more so uh kind of quasi-action and
5: well, yeah, it has a lot of action, but you know, it kind of digs into the whole Terminator mythology and expands on it, and um, mm-hmm. there's some interesting things that they do with it. And yeah, Summer Clouds, like, eh, okay, it's like, <laughs> hey, we have this, you know, cute little tiny girl who's a Terminator, <laughs> um, but they do some interesting things with her. Well, I mean, we had, yeah, so-
0: we had just uh, binged our way through Firefly, not that it was a big mm-hmm.
3: binge—thirteen oh.
0: episodes or something—but she yeah, was kicking a lot much. of butt in that too. So, Especially in the movie Serenity.
5: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting series. I'll tell you what, the, the Sarah Connor Chronicles try to say that three times fast. It's um, far more entertaining than any of the Terminator films that came after Terminator 2.
3: I, I will <laughs> agree
4: with you on that, my friend. So, I will agree with you on that. It's interesting how they tried to kind of show us the beginnings of Skynet and, and what the intent was in, in creating AI. And, and anyway, I, it's, it's been a minute since I watched it and yeah, I might watch because of summer, but it, it actually had some good episodes in it as well. So, um, okay, cool.
3: Uh,
4: well, look, let me tell you, it, it's good to be back. Thank you, Karen and Bob for the, for the vignette you guys put on. The best of episodes. What do we have? Like four or five best of episodes. Uh,
0: yeah, I think it was. I think it was four.
4: Four. Okay, I lost count.
0: There was enough. Thanks. We need to be new now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, my family and I are recovering. Uh, if you don't know, our home caught fire back in February. We lost our beloved cat Gizmo, uh, uh, along with all of the stuff. Well. 85 to 90 percent of, of over 50 years of collecting memorabilia posters autographs models ships but it's stuff my my in-laws nearly lost their lives my mother's hair caught on fire her head was third degree burns and um, over their bodies not not a large percentage of their bodies but anyway it, it is just stuff but it it's stuff that filled my my single night's, and weekends before I met my wife. And it was so much fun going to conventions and and meeting people like Bob and Karen and Lord Bloodbraw going to shows and getting autographs and, and, and compiling that stuff. And I want to send a very special thank you to Bill and Jason and Karen who sent care packages of action figures and cracked magazines and tiki mugs. And, you know, it, it's the 2.0 collection as, as Karen had put it and it, it warmed my heart and, and i'm very grateful i'm also very grateful to anyone and everyone who uh gave to the GoFundMe for the family it, it's uh i don't want to be a debbie downer but it, it's a weird thing to have to go out and buy a toothbrush and shampoo and a fingernail clipper because you no longer own any of that stuff mm-hmm. anymore but it's very important to have routine And uh, you know, I I put on my Facebook page. I I told Karen and Bob, "I hear the echo in my head at night. Five, hey, you numbskulls, what are we gonna do? Four, and and obviously the the theme song to uh, to Planet Eight. So Mm -hmm. once we got our rental home set up, uh, I I did want to get back to podcasting. And what a wonderful way to kick off our fifth anniversary with our friend Lord Bloodrock, who we've known for years. Appreciate you, Lord Raw. and Picard season. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Picard season three. What a wonderful thing to talk about! It's been a week or two since it came out, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um,
0: And you know, speaking of the music too, of Planet Eight. Yes, it's been a while since we've uh, thrown a shout out to Project Pimento, who kindly allows us to use that music at the end of every episode.
4: They do. Their website, uh, projectpimento.com, they just played at the um, Arizona Tiki oh. Oasis. Ah, huh. Yeah. Nice. Um, one of these years, Karen, we're going we're gonna to have a Planet 8 party out there at Tiki Oasis <laughs> in Arizona.
3: Okay.
4: Um, but, yeah, uh, Project Pimento are great. Um, I also wanted to give a plug... Bear with me one moment here, folks. Uh, Thank you, Karen. (laughs)
3: Let me entertain you.
4: (laughs) If you go to Twitter, Carl Kolchak, Kolchak 50, you can also go to monstrousbooks.com backslash shop backslash Kolchak. He came out with a wonderful 50th anniversary hardback. Cole shack. Kolschak, Cole Kolschak Cole uh, Cole hardback. And uh, mine burned in the fire. And I, I reached out to him and I says, how much for, for a new copy? And he calmed to me and said, this is yours. Uh, again, cool. point out.
0: So, so that's a, that's a graphic novel or it's.
4: It, it's a graphic novel, the 50th anniversary. There's several different covers Um, There are several different contributors. It is a wonderful work of art. Um, If you guys can get a copy, I highly recommend it. Um, it, It's a lot of fun. And one of the things that I'm watching is old episodes of Kolchak because I think everything's crap on TV right now. No, just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's like all these series are all they're all ending you know the series or the, or the mm-hmm. seasons or whatever and mm-hmm. uh you know it's not like not like it used to be in the olden days where you'd watch a series from September all the way to like April or May and then summer reruns until it comes back in September it's like it's here for this much and then it's gone for almost seems like a year or two and then the next season comes out so uh yeah, I mean, with all that coming to an end, I mean, you know, for me, I watch Giants games and the, the Warriors are in the playoff, so.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's, Jasmine's watching the Warriors playoff with her dad right now. Oh, yeah,
0: I mean, they're playing right now, but. Uh,
4: but, yeah, yeah I mean, th- this was a lot of fun, and, and it was great to come back. I love you guys. I, I love what we do, you know, in the beginning of before we started – Uh, the podcaster, Do we realize five years from now we'd we'd still be doing this? Um, We did not. (laughs) And yet, here we are, (laughs) still having fun. Um, So, uh, any last words from our distinguished panel of podcasters?
2: I'm honored to be here for your fifth anniversary. May you have many more years. It's a great podcast, and I'm very fortunate to uh, be a very small part
4: of it. Thank you very oh, much. Thank you, Lord. Deborah. Hey, thank as long said.
0: as we can keep thinking that it's subjects to talk about, that's the key. Well, sure. uh, <laughs> it's a big that. world
3: out there. It's no problem at all. Well, I mean, we come up with <laughs>
0: ideas once on, a while. It's like, oh, let's do it on this series. Well, I haven't seen that series in like 40 years all right well start watching episodes before the next you know <laughs> yeah, start binging yeah. well,
5: here we well, go. now we we've been doing it so long sometimes we come up with ideas and then it's like you know we did that the first year that we it's
3: like oh yeah that's right yeah we already did so that, that was with me with jaws
4: a couple couple of months ago <laughs> i was like we should jaws and pops like we did and i'm like oh yeah okay <laughs>
2: Yeah, I got to keep a list of the movies that I post because i
3: was like, I haven't really <laughs> yeah. done that movie, haven't I?
4: <laughs> but, you know, that that's part of the fun is there's new stuff. Guardians threes uh, coming out. You, you probably can't see yeah. it behind me, but the local comic shop is I giving see. out posters for the movie and the little baseball cap, and I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: Um, but yeah, there you know, there, there's old stuff, new stuff. I got to get back into Superman. Or or Lois and Superman Bob. I I love that show, and I just fell out of it. So, Yeah,
0: the interesting thing is between last season and this season, they changed the actor who plays Jonathan Kent. Yeah, I read about that. And I guess the other actor was having some mental, emotional issues, what have you, and he had to back out. They got this other guy. And it took a couple episodes, but – he's kind of settled in. He's doing, you know, he's doing a good job.
4: So I'm back. And it happens. But, I mean, you know, man. look at the Roseanne TV series. They changed the uh, daughter. And, um, anyway, we, we can go on and on, but we have reached that point in the show where we bid you adieu. Thank you all for, uh, for sticking with us for five years. Uh, be sure to share with your friends, planet eight podcast.com. Um, the, the information for Lord Blood Ross show, uh, the, the Bay Area film events that, that Bob uh, was talking about. We'll have all that on our webpage. And obviously, please support us on our YouTube channel. <laughs> We're doing videos now. Um, and now you we, get to see us. So
0: hopefully, that's not a deterrent. <laughs> not. <laughs> and you can come and
3: subscribe. You know, it was kind of the like
2: wave goodbye pay, in episodes. But, you, know, just okay. like, hey. you can still choose to just listen, but <laughs> <laughs> just turn They're off the screen.
4: Yeah. As long but as you're not also... watching,
0: going, God, those people are so old.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey, In all seriousness, you guys, thank you for listening. We love and appreciate you guys. Stay safe. Take care of the others. Um It's the end of the program. Peace out. <laughs>
1: On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at wwwplanet where you can get more information on this episode's topic.
5: For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet 8 Cast.
0: Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet
1: 8 We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.